now with the body positivity movement being so prominent in everyone's lives, we're seeing women not afraid to show their bodies at any size. I'm Michael Gloucester, and this is Fashion Cast. We're talking to fashion leaders and disruptors as we seek inspirational stories and expert insight into the world's most dynamic industry. Heard in over 70 countries, we're building an international fashion community based on fashion topics that matter. Please visit our website, fashioncast.co, to join our email list and learn more. Now, enjoy the show. Beth Hitchcock is one of the fashion industry's best-known plus stylists, models, and consultants. After 14 years in the fashion industry and traveling the globe honing her skills, she has regularly sought out for work with some of the largest fashion brands in the industry. Considered a consultant's consultant, Beth is a tireless champion of fashion inclusion, supporting all women in their fashion choices regardless of body type, and has made her career her mission as a beautiful, smart, humorous, driven person and fashion entrepreneur. Beth is a godsend to the industry just when it needs her most. Born and raised in the Midwest, Beth spent much of her career in New York City, moved to Austin, Texas for several years, and now resides in Los Angeles, where she is joining FashionCast via Zoom. Beth Hitchcock. Welcome to Fashion Cast. It's such a pleasure to have you here. Can you just tell us a little bit about what you've been doing and how you ended up in the fashion industry? Hi. Yes, thank you for having me. So I've been in the fashion industry for as long as I can remember. I went to school for fashion design, so since then. Um, yeah, I have kind of uh, been in all parts of the fashion world at this point. Um, I obviously, I went to school for fashion design, like I mentioned. Uh, I worked for a magazine that no longer exists, but it was Lucky with Condé Nast. That was my first job out of school in New York. And then I went into styling, um, did that for a while, did like the movie thing, worked in the music industry, fashion brand, like all of it. Um, And then I started modeling about three years ago. Um, through styling, actually, kind of fell into it. Um, And then from there, I started into more of the consulting world, which is what I'm trying to uh, focus more on nowadays in um, helping brands with size diversity. So really, the it sounds like the styling part of your career kind of influenced what you're doing now. Is that right? Absolutely. Yeah. I think, um, you know, obviously I've worked with so many huge plus size retailers. Um, and, and, and I also, I think styling kind of introduced me to that world. Like I've always been a plus size woman, but I didn't, you know, know the behind the scenes of it. And I, and I'd never met like a plus size model until I started styling. And, and honestly, back then was kind of the start of it. There wasn't a lot of it anyway for me growing up. So I think just being around it, seeing it, seeing how it was done, seeing what was offered, maybe be like, oh, we need more. This needs to change. So here we go. We're going to go down this little rabbit hole. So you have to define 
for the audience what plus size means in America anyway? Yeah. Um, plus size just usually means over a size 12. So typical retailers will carry up to a size 12, some only a size 10. After that, it goes up to typically 14 to sometimes 18. Um, it's called extended sizing which a lot more brands are doing now. Um, and then after that, it's, it's like fully plus size. And then to be size inclusive, you have to go up to a size 32. So are you happy with this term plus size or is it? Not uh, necessarily. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, what's a better term? I, I see curvy. I see. Yeah. There's been so many terms like thrown around in the industry. I don't really feel like they've nailed down the right one to be honest i mean there's definitely like obviously like you said curvy uh there's something they call like street size which is that like in between size you know like a size six to ten ish but again that's like to me doesn't also make sense because what does that mean like street like that's what you should look like street size <laughs> like it doesn't make sense so yeah i don't i don't love the term but for now it's just kind of the definitely the most widely used term. So stay with Beth Hitchcock for one moment here because I'm kind of fascinated. I mean, you moved through your career pretty quickly and it's like, well, wait a minute, you know, a lot happened here. So you were in New York for how long were you in New York, which is obviously mm -hmm. the epicenter. About eight years. Yeah, that's the epicenter yeah. of fashion, at least in the yeah. US, if not the world, but at least in yeah. the US. And what motivated you to move from New York to Austin? You know, where you just, you wanted a, a different experience in the fashion where you're trying something completely different or, or it was just time to change or what, what happened there? Yeah. Um, honestly, it had absolutely nothing to do with my career. It was just a lifestyle change that I needed. Uh, I just felt really burnt out living in New York. Um, I just had to kind of hit my, I, I never like, I lived in New York, but it was in my early twenties, it was fun. And then it just became not fun for a very long time to me. We never, <laughs> me in New York never vibed. And so I wanted more space. I just felt like I was like confined to this literal and figurative, like small space. And so I kind of, my lease was up and I literally sold everything I owned, rented a minivan and what didn't fit was like sold her on the curb. And I traveled for the summer, put my stuff in my parents' basement. And then I ended up in Austin because um, I literally had one friend there at the time. And it just, I loved the energy there. And, um, and really, honestly, it was the best decision I've ever made because I truly like found my purpose and my passion in the fashion industry there, which is surprising because Austin is not a fashion like hub or capital all but it gave me the space and like I think more or less like the mind space to be able to to do more for myself outside of what I had been doing. You went from a rabbit hutch like apartment to a mansion or something even if it was three I times. Know. I yeah. mean I literally I only had a little like back house apartment in Austin but I loved it. <laughs> yeah. It was cute. Yeah well I mean, that, that's exciting. That's interesting. But then you left Austin, Texas, and ended up in L.A., which these days it seems like the moving is going from, from California to Texas and not 
Texas to California, but there you are. Absolutely. You're, yeah, you're, so you're... I know. I love to do the opposite. <laughs> um. <laughs> so what, but what's going on in LA with regard to the plus size category or consultancy business or your career? And I'm fascinated about LA with regard to the fashion world because I don't think it gets enough respect. You know, I, you know, there's so much emphasis on New York. Um, then there's certain sectors within the fashion industry, like the swimwear, which is all Miami centric, you know, and LA just doesn't get a lot of respect, which I think it should. There's a lot of manufacturing going on out there. There's a lot of fashion activity, but yet, um, you don't hear much about it. So what, what pulled you out there? So I originally moved out here with modeling as my focus. Um, I had signed with an agency out here and I had felt that I had hit my, you know, my ceiling in Austin of what I could do. And I was like, you know, it really, if I want to like keep moving forward. And at that time I wasn't even, you know, consulting was kind of going around in my brain. Like I was like, this is something like that I think is needed. This is something I think I would be really good at but I wasn't really sure how to tackle it. And I had had a couple of like, you know, small brands that I had helped in Austin and, and modeling was getting busier. So I was like, okay, I either need to be in New York or LA. I'm not going back to New York. So like, let me try LA. And honestly, at that time, I knew that models were working a lot here. I, you know, friends I had here, girls I knew on social media, but I didn't realize how many brands were actually here until I got here. Um, and there are a lot of plus size brands actually based here and shooting here. And I think what drew me to LA is like, is the fact that I saw people working. I saw, um, that not only a lot of brands here, but a lot of brands based other places are shooting in LA. So I was like, okay, I'll be busy modeling there. That was the reason I came. But after being here, I was like, okay, I actually, this is like a really great space for me to, network, be around people in the industry, be around game changers in the industry, and really push forward with the consulting side of things. Well, this is a perfect example of, you know, students who go to fashion college and think they're going to be X and then kind of meander through the industry and try different things and then end up doing something totally different, still associated with the industry. But that's a really perfect example of not to just say, look, I'm going to do this because it doesn't always work out. Absolutely. Yeah. I think that's like, I mean, I, but I, I think that's for any, any career is just trying is, is going with the flow a little bit more and being open to opportunities and not being stuck in, you know, like you said, X, Y, and Z, this is what I need to do. This is who I need to be. And I feel very grateful that I went on this whole journey to get where I am um, because it gave me the experience. It gave me the real life education that I needed to do that. But it was just being like open to other opportunities and like seeing where there was a hole in the industry. Yeah. It sounds like you did it on a shoestring of essentially. It's not like you were just had all the money in the world and could make any decision and travel here and there. It seems like you yeah. went there, tried, kind of lived through, you know, yeah. and, and made it over. So at the end of this term, which is, you know, how many years now? Is it 14 or so that you've been in the industry? Yeah, I'm 36 now. So 
you know, I mean, if you count college, that's since I was eight. <laughs> <laughs> okay, we'll count college. So, so do you sit down and say, okay, this is where I'm at. This is my mission. Or are you not there yet? Are you saying, ah, I'm still going to try this. I'm going to go here. Or do you feel like my mission is, you know, I really want to incorporate and utilize and, you know, communicate this whole plus size issue within the industry and, and kind of, you know, advocate for the in, inclusivity of these women and these type of women. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I mean, I think that's part of, of my mission. That's part of my goal. I think the overarching like main goal is really to empower women to, you know, love who they are today, not who they think they're going to be, not who, who they were, but like to truly embrace sure. who they are today. Yeah. And I think a lot of that comes from, um, you know, people's self-worth based on how they look and what they've been fed through the fashion industry. I think I've been, I'm using the fashion industry as a way to do that, if that makes sense. Yeah, it makes all the sense in the world. Yeah. And that kind of, you know, dovetails into this this question about, you know, what are the, you know, essentially what are the myths about the, the plus size person or that sector of the market? You know, because I know there's, there's all kinds of weird things happening in terms of discrimination and so forth, but you can't have that without having some just myths or people thinking things that aren't necessarily true. Yeah. I mean, gosh, there's so many. I actually was just having a conversation <laughs> with a friend of mine who's, who's very small and she was saying up until very recently, you know, she's been thin her whole life and she started um, on like a health journey recently. And she was like, I honestly thought because I was thin my whole life that I was healthy and I didn't realize like I wasn't healthy. I never worked out. I eat really badly. And I think that's a big myth with like in the plus size world in general that like they are unhealthy. Um, I think that's very rooted in fat phobia, which is a big issue in this country um, where it's like people want to accept bigger people, but they're scared of it for themselves. It's like, it's like a fear-based thing. And so it's a projection of, of who they think the people are like not deserving, not healthy. Um, I think that's a big issue with plus size people that they have to overcome. Is the acceptance rate in your mind from when you started in the industry, say, you know, 14 or 18 years ago, more encompassing, more inclusive now? I mean, I just can't imagine. I mean, I I think I know the answer to this, but it seems like 10 years ago it was a much worse condition. There was probably more discrimination than there is now, okay. although it's not, it's nowhere near perfect now, obviously. Yeah. But is, is that what you think? Is that what, can you have, have you seen that or witnessed that over your career so far? Yes, I have. I, I, think it is it's becoming more supported than it was before um obviously huge box big box brands like target for example are using plus size women um and honestly just until recently though plus size still wasn't like visibly plus so they would use like curvier women but they weren't visibly plus size women i think that is also shifting with some brands um not everyone 
but it's it's like a it's okay to be you know bigger but you have to look this way if you're going to be bigger and that is something that still needs some work i think that people a lot of brands and like the industry in general have you know jumped on board with um bigger sizes but until very recently only some have jumped on board with like visibly showing it in a real way yeah and i see this parallel i mean this is just me outside looking in i see this parallel between fashion sustainability and then fashion plus size or dei kind of you know inclusivity kind of um you know um communications from these large companies and and i wonder if if there is what i'm terming this plus size washing going on just like there's clearly greenwashing going on in the sustainability piece and i mean you Mm -hmm. can actually finger point to who's doing it but Mm -hmm. i'm wondering if some of that's going on here or not yeah it is yeah definitely um so what's an example? I mean, you don't have to... A big example that I think got a lot of attention in the plus size community was Zara, um, who is a brand that does do very limited extended sizing, which means they have some things that go to a size 2X. Um, but again, not that's very, very small amount of their things. But they were using plus size models in some of their images and their advertising but then not actually carrying clothes that will fit those women. Um, and that happened. Why am I not surprised Zara was involved in quote unquote plus size washing? You know, I'm just not surprised. They make very cute stuff, but I, t- I try not to support them for sure. Yeah. There's, there's <laughs> some other issues related to Zara, yes. but this would probably be the least offensive um, but there's a lot of offensive things going yeah, on. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, but they're just one example. That happens a lot. Um, or like, you know, they'll again feature plus size women in in advertising, but then when you go on the site, you like can't find the plus size section, <laughs> and it's buried, it's hidden. Which to me again is like fat phobia, right? It's not like they're not like showing it. They're not proud of it. It feels like it's like okay, we have to do this. Or else we're gonna be, you know, banned, but or sorry, canceled. Um, but we don't really care, and we're not really like supporting the community. So yeah, but okay, but this brings up this whole issue about, you know, I did a little research, and you know, correct me if I'm wrong. You would know better than I. But at least the, the number that I saw um, uh, repeatedly was, you know, 68% of the women are would fall within the plus size category in the U.S. We're not talking internationally. But yeah. 68%. So obviously there's a market for this. Mm-hmm. You know, what are the pain points for the, for not just, not the retailers, but primarily the manufacturers, the brands, what are the pain points if they know they have that size audience and there's a lot of money there, you know, why is it so difficult? Is it, is it, is it the margins related to this? Is it the kind of manufacturing? Is there other costs that I don't know or understand related to this sector? Yeah, I mean, I think it's kind of all of that. I think obviously with the margins thing, it's 
you know, it is going to cost more money to make bigger garments because you're using more fabric. So that it can be more expensive to make bigger sizes. Um, also, when it comes to like the fitting process um, for making bigger sizes, that's a whole other process outside, you know, because typically, you know, a designer would take a garment, fit it on a size two or a size four, and they would just size it up and size it down. And then, but then once it gets to a bigger size, that's a whole other process because bodies just, they're shaped differently. So you would have to take, you know, like a size 16, typically six, 16 or 18, and again, size up and size down. So all of that costs more money. Um, obviously, I think there's a disconnect between the consumer and the customer, I'm sorry, the customer and the brands. Um, there, there's not like the trust there. So, and I think, again, this is with everyone, not just plus size people, like everyone has their go-to brands. So if you're like, hey, I need a suit, you know you're going to go to X, Y, and Z. Or I'm like, hey, I need, I know I need like a nice dress for an event. This is where I know I can go. I can get my size. Building that up takes time. And having customers like familiar with your brand, familiar with your fit, and knowing that they can go there to buy those things takes time. I think that a lot of brands have attempted to do that and have failed, but I think a lot of that is because it's not, they're not doing the fitting correctly. They're not taking the time to build that relationship with the customer. They're again, hiding their sizes. They're not having the sizes in store. Um, all of those things don't build trust with a customer. So for decades, it seems like, correct me if I'm wrong, but it seems mm-hmm. like the men's side of this equation has been successful. I don't know if it's because you've got the big and tall, the husky, whatever. You've actually have men's clothing stores, big and tall. People go, and, yeah. and they've been around for decades. And they and apparently what you're telling me is the women's wear side of fashion hasn't been able to map over or replicate the success on the men's side. And what I'm hearing is, you know, it may have to do with a lot of things, but it may have to do with fit in terms of it's probably easier just to fit a tall, you know, um, and big guy versus a woman who may, a a woman who may have a a totally different body shape in all Mm -hmm. these categories. I don't know. Does that, does that make sense? I actually think that it hasn't been good for women or men. Um, you know, I mean, even with, bigger men, there weren't, there have not been, there still are not very many options for them. There are some brands starting to do it, but there was like, and it's the same with women. There's been the like staples, like the Lane Bryant, the Torrid, but they weren't necessarily like the cool brands, you know? So it was like fine for older women or older men, but younger people who wanted trendy items, who wanted like what's cool right now, there weren't options. I think my cat. Um, I, <laughs> I think that um, that's shifting, but I, I honestly think it's been the same for men too. I don't think there were a lot of great options for them. And I don't know if it has to do with fit or just like, you know, I don't know the men's side as well as women's, but um, I think it's also just 
brands weren't wanting to do it until they were forced to do it. So that's interesting, this whole idea about the demographics of this plus market, whether it's men or women, and, you know, making the jump to there's probably more attention paid to the older client versus the younger client. And, mm-hmm. that, and that's essentially what you're talking about. And, and that's still true today. Is that what you're saying? Um, I think it's, it's definitely getting better. I think it could be better, but it's getting better. Definitely. But yeah, I mean, I think the main, the staples, the plus size staple brands that have been around forever were definitely catered to an older crowd. But I also think there's so many layers to it because I think that, um, and what I didn't touch on is that for a very long time, um, plus size bodies were meant to be covered up. So people wanted, didn't think that plus size women wanted to show any part of their body. So it was like, you know, your typical capri pant and right. tent t-shirt and a floral print. Now with the body positivity movement, being so prominent in everyone's lives, we're seeing women not afraid to show their bodies at any size. And so the fashion industry is still catching up to be like, oh, we need to make clothes for these people. Because, you know, it's like, it's not rare to see a size 20 woman in a crop top. Great. I do your thing. Wear what you want to wear. That's how I always feel about it. You know, if you feel good in it, wear it. And so there just wasn't the like, uh, sorry, I'm like blanking on the word. There just wasn't, weren't the options basically to support people until very recently within, honestly, I would say the past five years. Okay. So I want to just stay on this subject for a little bit longer in terms of, you know, whether the industry has embraced this or not, because you have traveled the globe and you've seen you know, a lot of different markets, whether it's in Europe or Asia or where have you. And are you noticing the same inclusivity around the world or is it, are we way advanced relative to, you know, Paris or Milan or to Dubai or to other areas? And do they have a lot of catching up to do or is it about the same or are we behind? I would say we're more ahead actually in the U S you know, I don't have the specifics on a lot of markets, but I would say that the U S is definitely trending forward with diversity in in general. I would say they're kind of leading with, with, I mean, across the board, not just talking size diversity, but. And it seems that way. I mean, it seems, I mean, America's just a very diverse culture. It is, yeah. Yeah, so I think that's very helpful. You know, one of the things, and it kind of sounds like a strange question, but, you know, you're you're deeply immersed into this particular sector of the fashion world. Are there unique trends related to the plus-size fashion sector? For example, are there... Are there certain colors that are more trending than they would be outside of that sector? Or are there certain styles within that subcategory of fashion that you notice? Or is it just, um, you know, this fall's particular colors are the same for plus sizes versus the rest of the world? 
I would say it's the same. I think the plus size market follows the same trends as standard size. Um, I just think it's, it's the difference of what's available to them versus to what the market calls straight size women. Um, so it's like, yeah, like it's kind of, it's the same colorway, same styles. I would, I, I do think that, um, plus size women now are, are looked at more as like, um, trendsetters than they used to be because there are, oh, really? okay. which is cool, you know, cause it used yeah, to be really. very like, um, the straight size women would set the trends. It would be like the straight size influencers. And then the plus size women would like try to cop, like would like want to, to copy it and whatever. And they weren't there weren't a lot of plus size influencers, but a lot of that comes from there weren't a lot of options for that. Well, I love that angle. Yeah, that's really yeah. interesting. And so now there are like people are looking at plus size women as like, this is a fashion inspiration for me. This is a trendsetter. This is someone that brands are having come to the shows and sit in the front row and like be a part of it. So that is very cool to see that shift. Um you know, again, like they're just, they're, they still, they're doing what they can with the options that they have and they're doing a really great job of it. The influencers. Yeah. There's a lot of energy in that comment because I think if that sector can follow through on that and just say the hell with everybody else, we we're going to set the trends. That becomes a game changer in my mind. I mean, that's really, really cool. I love that comment. Love that. So Beth, Let's just talk a little bit more about the retailers because I did my unofficial research, which I think I mentioned to you the last time we spoke. And I did go to, you know, I went to Target and I went to Macy's and I went to Nordstrom's and I went to Neiman Marcus and I went to Saks. And I think at the end of the day, I was surprised that there was as much, um, inventory or at least availability of plus sizes whether it was on the third floor in the back or not is another question right whether you could see women would immediately get some assistance or not is another question whether they had enough options in the store is another question so are you finding the same thing are you finding certain retailers are embracing you know the plus size and saying look this is we're going to put it up front we like this these are our customers and our clients and if so who are they are they more macy's vis-a-vis like uh like Saks, or is it the opposite i i i found it was probably more macy's than it would be Saks, or it was probably target more than it would be macy's yeah, I think you explained it perfectly with third floor in the back. <laughs> I think that is um, how would you how you would describe most plus size sections in department stores in general. <laughs> At least you know I did my very research. Very depressing place to be if you've never been. Um, yeah, I, that's exactly where they're always placed. So that is one of the biggest problems. Is like is the in store shopping for plus size. Um, there are definitely more options online. Um, Target is, is better, I will say, because they do at least show plus size women like in all their advertising and it's like mixed in. It's not just like, you know, they do have a plus size section, but it's also mixed in throughout the store. Well, even the mannequins were plus size. Yeah. And the in-store signage and stuff, it's like, 
mixed sizing, which is great. Um, it is not the same for the bigger or the more expensive uh, department stores like Nordstrom or Saks or um, those sections are very like bleak and hidden again in the back. Yeah, it's I very think, limited. Uh, it's very limited. And again, you get back to this plus size washing kind of issue. Are they doing it because they feel obligated, you know, or are they they're certainly not doing it because it just doesn't seem they want to do it, but it, they seem more obligated. And that's not true for all the retailers, but for the more luxury kind of retailers, it seemed that way. Yeah, the luck, it's definitely worse for luxury, which doesn't make sense, but it is. Um, so, and I think like we touched on before is that it's very catered to like an older woman versus younger women who are wanting to shop cooler, trendier things at the department stores, like a Nordstrom or a Saks. Like I do know Nordstrom has Good American, which is Khloe Kardashian's brand. And it's a brand that does is really great size inclusive brand, but I know that they're, they are within Nordstrom and like they, she has it set up that everything is in one place. So it's not like the plus size stuff's in one section. It's all in one section. So you can just shop that whole brand. Um, but most of the other brands are not like that. Yeah. And there's a perfect example of plus size women's wear and plus size women who, who can afford, you know, a brand name. And, and we talked mm -hmm. briefly about Christian Siriano, who, you know, was a very famous, obviously luxury women's wear designer and who has incorporated the plus size fashion into his collection um mm -hmm. but i think that's part of christian's philosophy too you know he's that's his background and he's he's down for the struggle i think where you're yeah you're just not seeing this so it's you know it's as if if you're plus size then you must be a target shopper and it's like but wait a minute i i never go to target you know you could be a woman that never enters a target but yeah. then you can never get, you know, the clothes that you really, really want. Yeah. I mean, Christian Siriano is definitely a champion of women from the beginning. Diversity across the board, size diversity, race diversity. And he truly, like, stands by it. Like, and, and even when you look on the red carpet, like, a lot of plus-size women are dressed by Christian Siriano because he's, like, a go-to. He knows how to dress bigger women. He wants to dress bigger women. He's like proud of it. So that's really wonderful to see. I think, um, you hit it spot on for some, there is that going on of like the cheaper places have more options. Like it's, and I don't know, I, that is also like a very good point. Is that something also with fat phobia that like if you're bigger, you don't have money. That's a great question of why that is happening and why these like more expensive brands aren't offering clothing for bigger women. That seems to be the message, even if it, is, it isn't true. So even if it isn't true, it's kind of a discriminatory message. Um, and I hate that. I, we, we talked a little bit briefly, I think, if you stay with this uh, Christian Siriano example, that the fashion colleges, and, and I can't attest to this completely, but it seems obvious that they're not you know, churning out designers that are, you know, designing plus size fashion um, across the board, whether it's 
you know, the more affordable collection or even the luxury collection. It it just doesn't seem like people come out of school and say, guess what? I'm I'm designing for a plus size fashion sector. Is is that what you're seeing or is that or is there a trend towards changing that? Or have you heard anything going on within that within that universe, the the designer college universe? Yeah, I don't know much about that. I think it would be great if that is something that's being discussed in universities. I know that that was not something that was discussed when I was in school, but granted that was many, many years ago. (laughs) Um, I do, again, though, I think that there's more opportunity for people to want to do that than there was. It's something that's like, it wasn't like accepted back then. It wasn't cool. It wasn't like a thing that was happening. Now it's like you go and you see plus size women being like featured and on, you know, on the cover of Vogue or like all these big magazines. And it's like, yeah, I, it's like curvy women are seen as attractive now when they didn't used to be, unfortunately. Right. I think the message just from this podcast and listening to you, and if I could sum it up or boil it down is that there's a lot of opportunity in this particular sector and it's just yeah. that opportunity is not being, you know, met or, or, and, and it seems like the demand is there. Exactly. Is that there is, there have been so many people that have paved the way in this industry to create these opportunities. And most of the brands are not fully on board to grab that opportunity as they should be. So if I ask Beth Hitchcock, look, okay, you have your special fashion magic wand and you can fix the plus size market. Is there any one thing that you would do first? I mean, if this was a very magic, magical <laughs> it's super magic. I would make, you know, fashion accessible to everyone. So every brand would be size inclusive. Oh, that's From- great. That's perfect. From Versace to Target. Every brand would be size inclusive. So if I'm a size 26, I can walk in and buy the exact same thing that my size two friend can walk in and buy. Um, That it's offered across the board and that it's not, it's just women's sizing and it's not separated anymore. It's not plus size, straight size, curvy. It's just, if everything's size inclusive, then it's just... These are the sizes. That's the perfect answer. Are you listening, Versace? That is the perfect answer. Yeah. Really. Because that's, I mean, ultimately it would be really nice to get away to someday never have to have this conversation again, right? <laughs> For us yes. to never have to focus on, I think I'm, I'm, I'm very sick of the focus being on women's shape and body and what they should or shouldn't look like depending on the season or the year or whatever. And it just is like more of a body neutrality. No. And that's, that's a a great point that you're making. In fact, it's kind of weird to have the podcast about it, but I think it's important that you just keep bringing it up and re-educating and talking about it and, and explaining, you know, what's going on in the industry, what's going on within that sector yeah. What's good and what isn't? It seems like the sector has grown and come a long way in the last decade or so. So 
it's just a matter yeah. and that's it's an important of, conversation definitely right. yeah it's part yeah, of fashion media you know yeah, just absolutely. to keep bringing it up you've met a lot of people in the fashion industry you've kind of you know rubbed elbows and shoulders with a lot of different people is there anyone you haven't met that you would really really like to meet or is there anyone that you've met and you're like thank god i met that person because they you know they changed my trajectory or my thought process about about the industry or about life i met anna wintour actually in the elevator once so was it just you and anna she was with another person but it was when i worked at lucky and i was you know just a mere little fashion assistant she's probably with I her was... assistant right she said hello to me and was that at the World Trades or was that the World? It was no, this was back when it was in Times Square. Oh, really? So a while yeah. ago. For Times Square, that was. And that. what did you think? I mean, obviously, you were just in the elevator for a minute with her, but is she she taller than you think? Is she shorter? Is she thinner? She's very small. Like she's just a very petite, small woman. But yeah. she's a heavy hitter, man. She's fashion. She big, is. big, big heavy hitter. Yeah. The people who've honestly truly changed, who've given me ideas or have like inspired me are honestly people who aren't in the media or famous. Like they're people like on the ground doing the work, you know, like it was one of the old creative director at Lane Bryant, who is still a friend of mine, like truly changed my life. But she is such a visionary, you know, she came in and she's not even a plus size woman, but she came into Lane Bryant. This was, gosh, that would have been six years ago. And she did like all of those campaigns that were kind of the like antithesis to Victoria's Secret. I don't oh, know if you remember. Yes, those. I and do. Like, yes, I no angel. And it was like, yeah, absolutely. I do. Yeah. She did all of that. Wow. And she's the one who got me into modeling. And she's someone who definitely like opened up my eyes to a lot and changed my life. So she was a huge inspiration, but yeah, I mean, out of people that people would like, anyone would know, I don't know. I don't really know if there's anyone that I'm like, I need to meet. Yeah, actually, that's the perfect like answer. Yeah. <laughs> right. <laughs> yeah, that's the perfect answer, too, that a lot of the people that you need to meet in your life are kind of right in front of you or right around yeah. you. Yeah. yeah. That's, that's a wonderful answer. Where can Fashion Cast followers and listeners find Beth Hitchcock? Where can they find you? Um, the best place to find me is on the Instagram, and it's just at Beth Hitchcock. Perfect. And that's that's your go-to place? Yeah, that's pretty much where everything, everything lives right now. Beth Hitchcock, it has been an absolute honor and pleasure to speak with you today. Thank you for appearing on FashionCast. Thank you so much for having me. I loved our conversation. Yeah, me too. Thank you so much. Thank you for listening to FashionCast. To hear more shows and join our email list, please visit our website, fashioncast.co. You can also join us on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you download your favorite podcasts. Until next time, I'm Michael Gloucester for FashionCast, the voice of fashion. <laughs>